Good morning, Reach Church. All right, so if kids went ahead to reach kids, they can do that. That was a good group. All right. All right, so uh, we are in chapter 6 of Galatians, chapter 6. Uh, we, made it, we made it pretty far. So now we're kind of in the, the actual application section of this, where Paul uh, starts actually applying this gospel of nothing but Jesus, the fact that we are saved by grace, by faith, that we are sanctified by the work of the Spirit. He starts applying that to, uh, to the lives of the Galatian church and ultimately to, to us in turn. Now this is where uh, certain sin patterns, certain ways of viewing the gospel are going to lend themselves to certain errors, certain sins, certain failures uh, in the Christian body, in the church. And Paul's seen that the Galatian church, that they, uh, by embracing this gospel of the law, this gospel of works, that they've really destroyed the relationships between other believers. That the believers that are, are there, they're, they're failing to keep each other accountable to sin, and actually they're, they're in their pride using other people's sins to build up their righteousness. So basically, everyone's competing against everyone else. And if you're sinning, then, hey, at least I'm not sinning. And if you're sinning, then I'm, I'm doing a little bit better at climbing this ladder to heaven. And it's just this horrible system. And so Paul is seeing this, and he gives this rebuke, and he's telling them, no, like we're called to bear one another's burdens, the burdens of sin and the burdens of suffering. This isn't, isn't a competition to earn righteousness. It's a it's a together pursuit of Jesus. Now, last week we talked about how, uh, how we are supposed to restore one another towards Jesus Christ in nothing but Jesus. They were supposed to give people a picture of Jesus and, and draw people to Jesus, not just throw the law at each other, but instead present to each other the beauty of Jesus Christ that we may choose Jesus before our sin. But the thing that we didn't talk about, I didn't, I didn't convince you why we should do that. I sort of, sort of left it uh, assume that, yeah, this is, just, this is good, this is a commandment of Scripture. But to some extent, uh, we can't think of any law, any commandment like that anymore. We have to draw it back to that, that ultimate goal of loving Jesus and glorifying Jesus. Connecting it not to our own righteousness, but towards just loving the one who gave his life for us. So with that in mind, uh, we're going to look at, first, how, how and why nothing but Jesus calls us to bear each other's burdens. Why is that so close to the heart of Jesus? Why does he care? Why is that one of the commandments that we're called to? We're going to see one of the, the great obstacles to that, which uh, should be no surprise to us. Self-righteousness and works and pride are going to keep us from actually bearing the burdens of one another. But then finally, we're going to see that if we're walking in the Spirit, we're called to, to trust Jesus with our burdens. And that we can take up other people's burdens because we don't carry our own burden. We can, Jesus carries it for us. That's the promise of nothing with Jesus. We want to live by faith in that. And so let's turn to Galatians five or 6, uh, verses 1 through 5. Galatians 6, verses 1 through 5. Galatians 6, verses 1 through 5. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you, be tempt, uh, lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself and not in his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load. All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you might speak through your word, that the Holy Spirit might, might use this word, this message, uh, to give us a great love for bearing the burdens of one another that we would not do so because it is a commandment that we are trying to earn any sort of righteousness, but that we may be completely humbled by your gospel, fall in love with Jesus, 
and then seek to love him in all things. Father, we ask that, um, that we would be a body that isn't just individual people pursuing righteousness on their own, but that we are truly loving Jesus in each other's lives and, and building each other up and bearing with each other's weaknesses and, and strengthening one another. So, Father, would you, would you bless this time? Would you fill us with your spirit? Would you give us eyes to see Jesus? We pray in Jesus Christ's name. All right, so first, uh, this is kind of, a, it's kind of a case study. So every time we interact with a commandment, we need to, let's close that door. That's, yeah, someone's not happy back there. Uh, <laughs> all right, so it's kind of, kind of a case study. So every single time we want to interact with a commandment, we have to ask ourselves, okay, why are we given this commandment? Why are we called to do this? How does it connect to loving Jesus and glorifying Jesus? We don't just assume it. We, we want to understand, okay, how does it help me to glorify the one that I love? And this week we're looking at the, a specific commandment, this call to, to bear one another's burden. Last week we talked about bearing each other's sin. Today we're going to talk about that kind of a larger category, just bearing one another's, not, not just sin, but suffering as well. They were called to pick up the, the loads that each other carry and, and put them on our backs as well. Look at verse 1. 1 and 2. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So fulfill the law of Christ. We're called to bear each other's burdens. Oh man, something in the air today, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, All right, so first, if you believe that the gospel is about being a good person and fulfilling the law and living up to the works that are called to you, if you're living by the flesh, then there really isn't much reason to bear one another's burdens. Then what are you called to? You're called to make sure that your life is free from sin and that you're pursuing God faithfully. And the sin of the person next to you, it really doesn't affect your walk with Jesus at all. It doesn't affect your your relationship with God, it doesn't reflect anything. That you're not responsible for the person next to you. That's not what you care about. You care about your personal salvation. And it's hard enough worrying about your own sin and and cleansing yourself, so you don't worry about the person next to you. Now, at best, at best, you do care about the sin of the person next to you, but only because it's a commandment. It's one more commandment that you need to fulfill to make sure that you have enough righteousness to stand before God. All right, we start to see that a works-based salvation uh, leaves us as independent people actively just competing with one another or at best kind of apathetic about one another. Or seeing each other as burdens that, hey, you, you just put another commandment on my plate. Now I have to restore you to, to faithfulness to Jesus, and I have to do all the things that I had to do today. All right, one more work. Now, how does the gospel, the true gospel, change that? All right, first of all, you, you are no longer living according to arbitrary rules to attain righteousness. And no longer do we say things like, well, it just, it just says to do it, so we have to do it. No, every time there's a commandment, we should ask ourselves, okay, how does this help me love Jesus Christ? How does it help me glorify Jesus Christ? Why do I want to do this? Because I ultimately want to see Jesus lifted up. I want to love Jesus more than I they love anything else. All right, so that's the question that we're asking ourselves. And I want you to ask this question of of every single command that you come across. How does it help me love Jesus? How does it help me to glorify Jesus Christ? Because that is your ultimate goal. Your goal is not to be righteous. Your goal is not to make sure that the person next to you isn't wrecking your life. No, your, your goal is to glorify Jesus and together to glorify Jesus. So let's talk about, okay, so restoring someone to sin who is sinning, no, not restoring them to sin, restoring them away from sin, restoring someone who's sinning, how does that glorify Jesus Christ? 
How does it glorify Jesus? How does it lift him up? How does it make it clear that he is the most amazing thing? All right. So if there's sin in, in the person next to you, that person is proclaiming with their lives that, yes, they know Jesus, but Jesus really isn't all that great. That he isn't worth giving your whole life to, that, that you have to have sin on the side to make it worth it. Or that there are better things than Jesus Christ. That maybe, maybe Jesus comes third in their life. After comfort and money, or after, after vanity and materialism. That our sin proclaims something about the value of Jesus and the worth of Jesus and what place Jesus should have ultimately in the universe. Now, if we're concerned about our personal salvation and nothing else, then fine, fine. They can, they can make whatever choice they want, but if we're ultimately invested in the glory of Jesus and proclaiming the value and the worth of Jesus, then we're invested in what that person is saying with their lives. I'm invested in, in what you say is the number one thing if you are proclaiming that you, you love Jesus. And it's not about making sure that you stop sinning. It's, it's making sure that you are glorifying the right one and that Jesus is getting the glory that he deserves, that the one who is most beautiful is being proclaimed as most beautiful in your life. We're deeply invested in the glory of Jesus and how one another glorifies Jesus well or, or poorly. Now, how does, how does restoring those who are sinning, how does it love Jesus Christ? How does it love Jesus? Well, uh, Jesus is highly invested in restoring sinners. He is highly invested. That, that, that is the delight of his heart. That we have stories like the, the one sheep that has gone astray and, and the shepherd, he leaves, he leaves the 99 and goes after the one because he loves restoring the one who is lost, the one who is broken. And so if we are taking on this, this, this mantle to, to restore the one who is, who is fallen and who is lost, all right, Jesus loves that. Jesus delights in that, that Jesus, Jesus went to extreme lengths to make sure that that would happen in, in our lives and the lives of those who know him. He incarnated to make sure that that would happen. He was poor and he, was suff he suffered his whole life. He was hated and despised so that he could restore sinners and bring them out of their sin. And so we ask ourselves, okay, how do I, how do I love this one? I, I, I'm going to do the same things that he does. I'm going to do this thing that he clearly loves and he delights in. He would delight in it if I do it myself. All right, that's where there's this important concept. All right. Let's pay attention to the important concept. All right. You can't say that you love someone and that you think someone is totally amazing and then turn around and say that their life is stupid and that they are total fools in this life and, and you don't like anything that they, they spent their time doing. All right. So this is... Uh, Josh isn't here. I promised him a, a Marvel, Marvel reference. So here we go. Uh, all right. Stan Lee. Stan Lee. He's the inventor of Marvel in some sense. He, he, he created Spider-Man. He, he's the guy. He appeared in all the movies because like, he, he put, gave his life to, to Marvel. And that's his legacy. Now, what if you said, you said, yeah, I, I love Stan Lee. He's awesome. But I think comic books are really stupid and I don't like Marvel at all, and I hate Spider-Man, and everything, everything that ever happened and all that stuff, I, I just don't get it. But, you know, Stan Lee is awesome. <laughs> all right. It doesn't make any sense. Then what, what's the point, then? What are you so enamored with? All right, that's the reality of how we often interact with Jesus. We say, okay, yeah, I, Jesus is so awesome, but, like, would I want to live like Jesus? No, it's, it's a stupid way to live. And why, why would anyone die for someone else? Why would someone suffer for someone else? Why would I devote my life to, to freeing people from sin? I, I just, 
I'll just live at peace. Or it doesn't work like that. If you love Jesus, you, you admire the way that he lived. And you declare with your life that that is the most courageous way to live. That's the most beautiful way to live. The most captivating way to live. And that's where, okay, so you might hear, okay, be like Jesus. Live like Jesus. Be, be Christ-like. All right, it's not so that you can look like Jesus first and foremost. It's so that you can please Jesus. Because Jesus loves the things that he did. That's why he did them. He was delighted to restore sinners to salvation. That's why he did it. And we do the same thing. We delight the one that we love. But finally, finally, why do we do this? We do this because Jesus loves the one that we are restoring. He loves the one that we're restoring. And he's heartbroken to see this one that he loves wander away and fall into idolatry and adultery. And so what are we doing? We are we're reuniting, like we talked about last week, the, the, the bride and the groom. That in restoring a sinner, we are, we are restoring the, the first love to Jesus the lover. That that is an act of love towards Jesus, first and foremost. Now, is it good for the person? Absolutely. But it's first and foremost because we love Jesus Christ. All right, that's what we're talking about. And it's connecting our hearts to that kind of, that kind of mission every time that we think about a commandment. That we're not first and foremost asking, okay, what does it need to, to be good enough today? No, it's how can I love Jesus Christ today? How can I glorify Jesus Christ today? That that's where my, my heart is. That's what I'm invested in. And that's why I go out each day and do the things that I do. So I ask you, okay, will you restore sinners to Jesus Christ out of love for Jesus and a desire to glorify Jesus? Will that be your, your greatest desire? Because you see this one who, who has restored you, you delight in the one that, that came and gave himself, gave everything, so that you might be brought out of sin and restored to life and to relationship with him and to this loving, loving relationship with him. All right. So that's restoring someone who's in sin, but this, this passage gets broader. It gets broader, and now, now it talks about, okay, now we're called to just bear each other's suffering in general. So sin is one thing that we're called to bear among one another, but we're also called to bear each other's suffering. Look at verse 2. Bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. All right, in this case, we're, we're dealing with the same exact concepts. Now I ask you, okay, so why does bearing each other's suffering and, and dealing with each other's suffering, helping each other through suffering, how does that love Jesus? How does that love Jesus and glorify Jesus? Now, things aren't coming to mind. That's dangerous. Because you're in danger of just, of just doing the work for, for no real reason, not connecting it to the Spirit and to faith and to, to why you want to do it in the first place. All right, first, Jesus identifies with the sufferer. So the suffering person, Jesus has his special relationships with. He says that, you know what? The suffering person I, I represent. Matthew 25. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see a stranger and welcome you and naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. All right, that's why we care about the suffering and the needy. And that's why we put up with Maybe, maybe this person is, is taking advantage, or maybe this person could, 
could bear their load more. No, we, we don't ask those questions. We ask ourselves, how can I love Jesus? And this person is a sufferer standing before me, representing Jesus Christ, and yes, I will enter their suffering, I will bear their burden. Not for their sake, but for Jesus' sake. Because I love Jesus Christ. All right, how does bearing with the suffering in other people's lives, how does it glorify Jesus? Why does it glorify Jesus? I think nothing more proclaims the, the beauty of Jesus Christ like saying, you know what, I will suffer to obey this one. And I'll suffer to love him. Because you're, you're, put, you're putting up to the world a direct comparison and saying, you know what, I could have comfort, but instead I'm choosing Jesus. And I'm showing that order once again. You know, I could have peace in my life or I could have Jesus Christ lifted up and glorified and I'm showing the order that I am, I am ranking Jesus Christ as number one in my life and I'm proclaiming it to the world. And that every time we choose to, to bear the burdens of those who are suffering, we, we are proclaiming that, that Jesus and the love of Jesus and the glory of Jesus is more important in our lives. And once again, in doing this, we are imitating Jesus. We're imitating Jesus. We're doing the thing that delights him because Jesus bears our burdens. He took on our suffering because he's delighted to do so. Matthew 8, 16 through 17. That evening they brought him, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who are sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. This is, this is Jesus. This is the one who, who came to do that very thing, who incarnated so that he could bear our weaknesses and suffer with us. That to do that for other people is to, to do the things that delights Jesus. That's why we bear each other's burdens. And so, once again, we, we have a choice. We can say, well, they got themselves into that mess. They can get themselves out of it. We can say, I'm not my brother's keeper. I'm not responsible for them. They, they need to make their own way. We can say, you know, I think it would be unwise and bring suffering into my life to, to bear that person's suffering. All right, we remember, okay, that's, that's not how Jesus interacted with us. Thank God that that's not how he interacted with us. You know, he saw, he saw a bunch of people who created their own misery by becoming sinners and who live in a fallen world because we made it this way. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, like, I, I'm going to enter in, I'm going to bear the suffering because I love them. It delighted him to do that. And it delights us to be able to, to have that same role in other people's lives. Now, what's the obstacle here? What's the obstacle to, to we act or us actually doing this? Uh, it's the same obstacle that, that we've been talking about this whole time. It's that temptation to live in the flesh, to walk by works, to trust in ourselves. To think that, you know what, I need to. I need to make sure that, that I manage the burdens of my life. And I make sure that other people don't burden me too much. I need to make sure that, that I have enough bandwidth to manage my own life, I can't, I can't get in over my head. Because ultimately, like, I don't want to see my life ruined. I don't want to see my life ruined. I, honestly, I'm too important to have my life ruined by other people's sin and other people's suffering. That's what we're proclaiming when we refuse to do this. That's what living in the flesh says. You know, I, I have this life, it's too important, and honestly, I'm not going to share it with another person. I'm not going to ruin my life for them. 
Look at verse 3. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. All right, this is the thing that keeps us from actually being able to enter into and, and bear each other's burdens, is that we think we're something. And then we look at our lives and we say, you know what, there's a certain lifestyle that I, that I have, and I think I, think I kind of deserve that. Maybe I've worked harder than other people. Maybe I'm, I'm more righteous than other people. Maybe I'm more faithful. And so I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to hold on to that, and I'm not going to suffer for the sake of these people who are unfaithful or who are unwise, who are foolish. Because we're something. We're something. And the reality of the gospel is that Jesus made himself nothing. Jesus made himself nothing for us. That if any one person deserved to be, to be called something and to be treated as something, it was Jesus Christ. But what did he do? He, because of his great love for you and because of how beautiful his character is, he became nothing for us. He became nothing for us. The homeless, destitute, beaten and ashamed, naked, nailed to a cross, nothing for us. That's the, the great love and beauty of our Savior. That's the one that we've fallen in love with. That's where we have to ask ourselves, okay, where am I still hanging on to myself? And all of us are hanging on to a million things that, no, I, I, need, to be, I need to be better in this area. I need to be better than... Than that, I'm above certain kinds of suffering. I'm, I'm above certain kinds of, of confrontations with sin. I don't like uncomfortable conversations. All those things. All right, that's just not the reality of the gospel. The reality of the gospel is we are nothing. And we stand before Jesus with nothing. And we stand at the throne of judgment. We will stand with nothing. And that compared to Jesus Christ, we have nothing to even give up. All right, let's look at verses 4 and 5. Let's look at verses 4 and 5. Because this, uh, this could throw us all off and make this whole, whole, uh, whole thing meaningless if we don't understand it. So, verse 4 and 5. It's connected to verse 3. So it's saying, okay, if, if you think you're something when you're nothing, uh, then verse 4 and 5, you need to do this. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. All right. What this sounds like, when, I, when we read it, we think, okay, yeah, that, that's what we're expecting. We're expecting that at some point, Paul then says, but you know what? Also take care of yourself. Make sure that you, you don't neglect your, your own life because otherwise who's going to take care of you? Make sure you bear your own load and, and keep yourself straight. Don't get too invested in the lives of other people. Okay, that is not what it's saying. This is not a balancing act. Often in Scripture, there is not, there's no balancing act and saying, you know, like, like Oh, like, sacrifice, but also don't sacrifice. Or, like, love people, but also be selfish, because, like, you need to do that, too. That's not generally how it works. And this is not one of those balancing passages that says, you know, like, oh, like, worry about other people's burdens, and then, like, no, but, like, you have a lot to worry about, so make sure. Now, what is this saying? What is this saying? This is the same warning that we saw last week. That as you do this, as you enter into the lives of other people, as you bear other people's burdens, there's this natural tendency to, to start weighing yourself. And to say, you know what? Maybe I am something. Maybe I am something because, you know what? I'm not, I'm not as burdensome as the person next to me. 
I'm not as needy as this person that I'm helping. And once again, we're, we're on the ladder, and we're ranking ourselves and saying, you know what? I'm glad I'm better than my neighbor. I'm glad I'm a more faithful person. And the reality is that Paul, Paul is trying to obliterate that, and he's saying, you know what? When you stand, when you stand before the throne of God, you'll not be standing next to the worst sinner that, you, that you're friends with. <laughs> and you won't be standing next to that person that you helped, and you know they, they, they really struggled, but you, you had a pretty good time. No, you'll be standing next to no one. And at that moment, you'll, you'll know that you really are nothing. That you don't have this amazing righteousness because you're not being compared to your neighbor. You're being compared to the, the holy and perfect God. And when you stand in that place, you're being compared to Jesus Christ. This one who is, who is dying for the people and, and, and giving himself and loving completely. And at that moment, we need to know that we are nothing so that we can have Jesus. That we bring nothing to the table, we bring nothing but Jesus. And if we're being compared to anyone, we want to be compared to, to Jesus Christ himself, and we want to be filled with the righteousness that is bestowed upon us by faith and by grace, and we are living according to that righteousness, and we are standing, not, not comparing ourselves to anyone else, but desperately pleading that, that the blood of Jesus Christ would cover us, that the perfection of Jesus Christ would cover us, that Jesus would bear the burden of our sin, that he would carry that load. that the weight of our sin and the weight of our misery will be taken upon Jesus Christ. That's our one and only hope. Once again, we have this commandment and there's this temptation to say, you know, I fulfilled the commandment. Maybe I'm a little better. No, we're not. It was never about that. It was about expressing this reality that we owe everything to Jesus Christ and he doesn't make us pay it back. Instead, he just says, love me and delight in the things that I delight in and glorify and praise me. And then you'll be satisfied. Then you'll have everything. Now, last point, last point. Uh, if you noticed in verse 2, I skipped over something. Uh, and it's probably, it's, it's a little upsetting. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ. All right, we've been jumping over hoops and going in and backwards and all around trying to make sure that we're not submitting to a law anymore. And now, Paul, he's saying this one, like, totally throw out the law, and now he's calling us the law of Christ. All right, what do we do with this? All right, we cannot think of this as just one more law. Okay, now the law is to be like Jesus. Now the law is to to bear one another's burdens and to suffer with people, that now I'm just under this new law. No. All right. The law for righteousness' sake is gone. The law of works is gone. The law of attaining any kind of salvation is gone. But we are all called to, to live according to what Jesus Christ has done, to live according to the truth of it. That's the law of Christ. The law of Christ is to be so filled with Christ that the heart of Jesus and the loves of Jesus and the delights of Jesus are overflowing in our lives. That's where this isn't, this isn't a burden. This isn't a law that, hey, I hope I can do it today. No, it's that you're called to delight in Jesus and to live like you are nothing but have been given everything in Jesus. And to take on burdens of other people because you want to love Jesus that way. Not because you have to because in, in heaven you're going to stand there and be condemned. No, it's because you want to love Jesus Christ. And suddenly these people who are suffering and you're like, they're not a hassle to you. They're a way to do the one thing that you've always wanted to do is glorify Jesus Christ and to love him and to light him. 
That's this easy yoke that has been placed upon us. And that's where we have, we have one last choice. You can live to protect yourself. You can live to protect yourself and, and avoid burdens and to manage your life and to make sure that other people's burdens, other people's suffering, and other people's sin don't ruin the life that you've created for yourself. All right, or, or you can jump in and love Jesus and delight in Jesus and please Jesus and trust that he will bear the burdens that are placed upon you, that he will carry your life, that he will sustain you in this work. That's what it looks like to live by faith. And that's what the, the Holy Spirit promises to do, is to give you this heart that, that enjoys every second of this sacrifice. Maybe not every second. Well, he'll move in towards it. I looked at Catherine, and she's like, <laughs> I could feel it. I could feel it in her heart. Uh, but to have this like, supernatural joy that when, she's con- like, when we're all connected to, to the love that we have and the delight that we have in Jesus Christ, that suddenly we have supernatural power to do the things that we never could have done before. And maybe if it's not delight today, it'll be delight when we finally see Jesus Christ there in the flesh, and we look him in the face and we say, he says to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. At that day, it will be worth it. And we'll be thankful that that we did the things that Jesus loves and Jesus delights in and the things that magnify Jesus Christ because on that day we'll know that he really is the one that is more amazing and beautiful and wonderful than anything else. Amen? So, bear one another's burdens. Please don't be wise. Be loving towards Jesus Christ. All right, questions? Questions? Mm-hmm. Deb? I think um, it's pretty good at bearing the burdens of suffering. Yeah. But when it comes to bearing the burdens of sin, I think most of the time we don't know what sin people are dealing with. Right, right. And I think we need to find ways to be more approachable. And mm. Yeah, absolutely. And opening up, but how else can we make that more accountable in a body? Ah, uh, yeah. How can we? How can we enable each other to to bear each other's sins? Yeah. Um, I think it starts with being accountable, or, or not being accountable, being um, being transparent, like you said. That if you're someone who shows that you're a sinner, you invite other people to be sinners too. And the reality is we're, we're all sinners. And I think admitting, admitting when you're called out that it was sin, that's really important. Um, not being protective or defensive. Um, but you're right, Debbie. It's, it's hard to, to show that we're sinners. It's hard to know the burdens that other people bear. Um, yeah, I think so. I think so. I think ultimately because we think that good Christians don't sin good Christians don't sin. When the reality of, of 1 John is that, no, good Christians admit that they're sinning all the time, that that's what it looks like to walk in the light because we, we're not trying to hide anymore. We have forgiveness, and so we can admit that we are sinners. That's, that's a mark of maturity. Yeah. Randall, did you have something to add to that? Right. Right.
Right. You know them. Right. You know Right, right. Yeah, if you hang out with me long enough, you'll see my sin. <laughs> you, know? you will. You will. It'll, it'll become all too clear. <laughs> I know. I went over to the Tom's house a couple, a couple of weeks ago, you know, just hanging out, you know. <laughs> Tom, did you have a question, too? I have a comment. Okay. Right. We don't, we don't spend enough time together. That's why you're all invited to my house for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and Sheila gets up and walks out. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Well done. Right. Day to day, you're so disconnected from each other, particularly in the body of Christ. Like, we see each other on Sunday, maybe once a week, once a month, or so. Right. Right. With that, if you're not part of a small group, please join one. That's, that is an important part of this. Yeah, those kind of conversations happen way more often in, in a small group than right now. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Oh, candy. Were you here last week, Candy? No, I was in the nurse. Oh, okay. <laughs> you are bearing our burden. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, candy, I'll leave you to listen to, to last week's sermon because it was that was the focus, I think. Was what that looks like. That was the whole the whole focus. It was on on, on verse one, um, but I think you're not content with that. Oh, well, Candy, Candy's waiting for it. She still wants something. Um, well, maybe somebody else will get around to it. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> See, this is why you have to come. Come on, guys. No. <laughs> Right. Many of us um, try to bear burdens to people who are running away from us. Right. And we're not going to let go of. Right. So you talked in your sermon about fulfilling the burden. That's the good thing. That's the ultimate. And then the other, the opposite is to refuse to fill. But there's that whole middle part where I'm not refusing, but it's not an easy thing. And Jesus, he got to go in and cast out demons. I <laughs> Right. And he didn't have to do that. So that's a, I'm, I'm just There are heavy burdens to bear. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing we did talk about last week was that this is particular to believers, that this is, this is brothers and sisters who are in the body. And like you said, that's, that's an easier thing because we have committed to that. Uh, we, are not, we are not jumping out and saying, hey, hey, you, you seem to have a lot of sin, um, but have no relationship with Jesus, so like, I'm going to help restore you and, and bear your burdens. That's not the primary call that this is uh, a call to brothers and sisters, one another and each other. Um, yeah. 
Sure, sure, Tom, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Sheila. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Last sermon, I think, uh, gave some examples. I think that that'll be helpful to you, too. Yeah. All right. Any other questions? Yeah, Lisa? I think the Right. Right. The 
Right. So, but that's to that's to help him, not to shame him. Right. And, but you know, it's the whole. You know, David, he's looking to be offended by the enemy. They're not going to like you. Right. Um, and that, and God wasn't, you know, Paul wasn't very well liked <laughs> at many times in his life. Not, neither was Jesus, oddly enough. Uh, <laughs> uh, he was he was so offensive they they nailed him to a cross. So that's. And that's where we, we have this prevent, like before us. There's the potential to be offensive, but we're not called to, to not be offensive. We're called to love Jesus. And, and we can do that in, as winsome as we can, and people can still be offended. And we're willing to, to suffer certain things. We're willing to, to really suffer for uh, our, our fighting of sin in their lives. Yeah. Jan? Absolutely. I love that, Jan. Yeah. All right. Let's pray so that Casey doesn't, you know, get mad at me. <laughs> uh, Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that uh, we get to look to him. We don't look to ourselves. We ask that we would trust Jesus Christ to bear the burdens that we've been given, that as we take on the burdens of one another, we ultimately know that, that our burdens are carried by Jesus Christ. Father, we ask that we would trust him to to bear what we cannot, and Father, would you keep us from, uh, from limiting our obedience to, to what we think we can handle. But Father, would we truly um, bear the sin and suffering of one another and watch you uh, bear us all in turn. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name.